It's what you've been waiting for, and it's finally here. The Atlantic League preview and the start of the Indie Ball season is upon us this week on the Indie Ball Report Podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 216 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick Keyswell. And that was a huge rundown that I just hit in one breath. There's the saying that, you know, big time players make big time plays and in big time moments. That's that's what you just did there. I tried to be a 16 game player. Uh, there's not enough of those around. So hopefully I could try to uh, fill the need a little bit. And hopefully this is the, the start to a successful show because there is a lot of fun stuff going on this week. We have like three pieces of news, but nobody really cares about that. What we care about is the fact that as we record, we're like 20 minutes away from independent league baseball being played, even though it's on Flow Sports, so nobody can watch it. But, you know, it's still fun to know it's existing. Nick, you'll just, you'll just have to, guys, you'll have to take our word for it, that baseball will be played. Exactly. Like, I'm sure there's some radio streams you can listen to to confirm that it exists, but... Um, yes. But yeah, it's funny though. Like, did you see the uh, like happy opening day post from the Atlantic League? I did, and I saw. I know exactly what you're about to say, so you might as well just say it. Man, they got killed in those replies. Oh, I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, it's great because they were like, "What game are you guys watching?" And everyone's like, "None of them," because it's on Flow Sports. Flow Sports is terrible. Then you have some like, I- "Would love to watch this game, but I can't." <laughs> I literally gagged when I got that notification on my phone. Yeah. I'm not even kidding me. And so, because, all right, you know what? I'll, we're going we're gonna to start here. And I'm going to be, yeah. I promise you, we have so much to get to. So I'm going to make this really quick. Yeah. But the post said, happy opening day. Cannot wait to watch every game this season on at Flow Sports. First of all, you're a league tweeting. You're not a person. Who can't wait to watch every game up this season on Flow Sports? Like, are we, the are, people you like of pers- the league. are you personifying like a league like or is this if it was like a person who tweeted that like i'm all right like go ahead like from a personal account and the, what game are you watching today and then yeah what up none not paying for that thanks for taking it anyway thanks for taking it away uh full of sports not a good outlet uh, the production value needs to be improved, all that good stuff so uh, yeah why on flow sports not facebook or youtube Yep. Oh, God. All of it's great. And then you got some quote tweets, too, although one of them is me. So, yeah, and then you just got one person that uh, I guess they just kept replying to all the other replies, calling people poor. So, I think it was supposed to be tongue in cheek because when <laughs> that was sent, I remember seeing it was like a changed handle to be like Rick White's alter ego or something like that. So, interesting. Yeah, it was supposed to be funny like that. But hey, either way, Glad to see the Atlantic League's off to a strong start in the fan department because uh, Lord knows it's going to be a fun season for them dealing with all that comes with the joy of being on Flow Sports because I'm sure it will go well. But uh, I I love Flow Sports. How could you not? I mean, maybe we should just put this show on Flow Sports, only on Flow Sports. What if we if we just took the podcast off of everything and just put it as a Flow Sports stream? It's going to be great when our ratings go to zero. It, uh, actually, it honestly would probably drop to single digits. It would. <laughs> well, 
I, I, I don't know. Oh, my God. But think, we could be the exclusive content they talked about. Yeah. I don't know. Just, it's I'm just sure a, it's, it's a ridiculous well. thought. Yeah. I'm sure Flow Sports pays well. But uh, before we talk about that Flow Sports League, we have a different Flow Sports League to talk about. And that's the Frontier League because they had a draft. And this is one of the three pieces of news we have to get through before we get to our preview. So we're going to hit this real quick because it's the Frontier League draft. And there was barely anybody that we actually recognized on the list of players that were there. Scrappy Hopkins was in there too. You know, she was a catcher for, I believe it was Lexington last year. And uh, yeah. did decently. Honestly, did pretty decent. Uh, she didn't get drafted, but she made it to day two. So good for her. Uh, notable names picked. There was only 34 people taking the draft. It was three rounds, but round three was really just three picks. Um, Tim Sabo, Brian Leaf, and Jacob Talamanti were the only three names I even remotely recognized. So good on them. I believe they all got time in the Frontier League last year. I know Ottawa had uh, one of them. I think Sussex had the other one. And for whatever reason, I feel like it was like the wild things that had the other. So, you know, still some notable names. Guys got picked up. Everybody got two except for Empire State that only picked one guy despite having the first pick in each round. Can, and, can I say something, Nick? Yeah. Out of all the teams that would not pick someone in the Frontier League draft, like, well, as far as, like, the first two rounds, the Empire State Grays being the only team to pass, if you, if there were betting lines for this, and there was, say, all right, there's going to be one team who 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 passes in the second round, and, and, and if you guessed Empire State, you'd be rich. You'd be a rich person. Well, in fairness, they now have J.R.D. Sarcina. So he's yeah? going to save the okay. season. Yeah. They, I, here's, I'm not for him. Yeah, like I'm going to say, and I think Mike Giolito, I think got picked up there too. I think they made a deal with High Point for him, but either way, I will say Empire State has some improved talent. Mark Mason's rotten some guys. That being yeah. said, I'm not falling for this. I'm not falling for them. We I know the last year. Yeah, they're, they're still going to be trash because they're a traveling team and it just comes with the territory. So I'm not falling for this. I'm familiar saw, with their game. They can't fool me. I saw the the first overall pick, uh, uh, Joan Valdez. I, I don't yeah. know. Apparently, he was up to 93 or 94 in this camp. Really? So that's okay. I saw that saw that on social media. So I I'm gonna everything you see on social media is true. So I'll because <laughs> surely no one has ever tweeted out a uh, a, a juiced up velo uh, marking. Uh, but you know what? Yeah, but that, that's. It's the only thing I really saw because, I mean, I'm not, uh, I mean, of course, we don't really know any of these names, but that doesn't mean there's, there's a lot of good players that come out of this, uh, yeah. out, of, out of this camp and guys that are, especially that are rookies. And it's important. It's important for these teams to, to scout, uh, the, especially in the frontier league to, uh, scout out that own camp, that, uh, their own camp because, uh, those, those rookie spots and whoever, usually the teams that get production from those 10 spots are the ones that are at the top of the standings come, come the end of the year. Oh, definitely. I mean, those, those spots they require to have, those are the ones where they're make or break, like you're saying. And J.R.D. Sarcina is on there. Uh, there's a couple other guys here. Josh Sears is on this team too. They got some, uh, they actually got some decent talent. I'm not going to lie. The Empire State Grays roster. It's funny. Under experience for one guy, they just have Cleveland Indians second round pick. Wait, what? Yeah, Quentin Holmes. Cleveland Indians oh, second thought, pick. 
I thought you meant like it was listed as Cleveland Indians second round pick. <laughs> well, I mean, for, for his experience, that's what it is. Same thing with okay. Eric Jenkins, who is a Texas Rangers second pick. It's interesting. Some of them have like team names, others don't. Although I will say, I'm looking at the overall construction here. They do look like a better team. That said, it yes. is funny as hell seeing a vet on this team. They have, I agree. Like, they have I three agree. veterans, it's, actually. It's good. Four it's vet, great five vets. Yeah, like they have a lot of former uh, York Revolution players and a former duck, too, from Hot, from Hot Pog. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so they got, Long Island. Yeah, so they got some guys. They got some guys. I think they actually. Wait, hold up here. Does this guy have major league experience? I know this is not supposed to be an Empire State show, but like, I just see under one player. The player. God, you can make me pronounce his name. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> Peguero? Matthew Peguero? Pitcher? Wait. Tampa Bay Rays? Matthew Peguero? Yeah. I think. I. No, now I'm going to have to spell Peguero in, in the. P E G U E R O. Did not reach the bigs. Uh, okay. I think I, I think I've seen him in spring training before. That's must have where I know the name. Uh, okay. Because I was gonna say it said Tampa Bay Rays, so for a second I was like, oh, did they yeah, have? He's only he's only twenty three. This guy. Uh, okay. Well, that would make sense. It'd be kind of odd if he was twenty three, already flamed down the majors and wound his way up here. That'd be pretty hilarious, honestly. I, I don't even know how someone would do that. Ah. Uh, I would imagine it wouldn't be on the field related. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap up the Empire League draft, uh, only three other teams took a player that took more than two players, rather. Uh, Windy City, Lake Erie, and Joliet all took three guys. So uh, there you go. That's all there really is to say about the Frontier League draft. And in like two or three weeks, we're going to talk about the Empire State Grays in depth when we do the Frontier League preview. But that's like a month from now. So we'll worry about that when we get to that bridge. But we have to talk about from here on in a straight baseline Atlantic League, just only Atlantic League, because we're starting with Hagerstown, because we all love Hagerstown, because now Hagerstown has a GM. They don't have a name, but they got a GM. And that GM is David Bleckenstone or Blackstone. He previously ran the athletic department for a Catholic high school in the area. And uh, his father owned the Hagerstown Sons prior to their even arrival in Hagerstown. But he owned them from 87 to 2001. He was the Sons GM from 96 to 01. And that's the important information about um, Blankstone. That's all you need to know about him. We have more information about Hagerstown, but let's just test the GM first before we get to the rest of the information. Yeah, I think uh, I think it seems like a, a pretty solid hire. I mean, uh, just the fact that he's got experience running, uh, he's got experience like in front offices and minor league baseball in general is, is certainly a good thing. Of course, independent baseball is a, it's a whole different animal when it comes to how you run it and just the different intricacies uh, in being in the front office. But yeah, I mean, at least on the surface, it seems like a, a pretty pretty good hire for Hagerstown, even though they're uh, they're still a little bit away from getting going. Yeah, definitely. I mean, any sort of experience is solid here. It's kind of a bit odd how you're making the transition from being a, uh, you know, a high school AD to now running a team. Obviously, you know, there's experience there in the past and he grew up around this with his father owned, you know, a baseball team for 13, 14 years. You're going to be familiar with the day to day operations as well as, you know, being in the front office and things of that nature. So he'll be familiarized with that. So that's a positive there. Plus, 
it seems like Frederick, and we'll talk about Frederick in more detail in just a second, but it seems like Frederick's going to be there. You're going to have uh, Southern Maryland and Waldorf there as well. So you're going to have a bunch of local teams, plus even York and Lancaster aren't terribly far, I don't believe, from uh, from Hagerstown either. So no. you're going to have a lot of you know local teams to draw off of two to try and help maybe do some joint marketing or at the very least, you know, to be there to help get people interested there you can have a brand new ballpark as well which is a huge draw and a huge benefit as well so there's a lot going in his favor too so that's going to be very helpful as far as you know like you said uh the actual gm job it's a lot different when it's an independent league versus a affiliated league because the affiliated league it's a lot more you know general manager of an actual business as opposed to a, a sports club where you're doing a lot of the transactional work as well you know you're doing you don't worry about it as much in the affiliate leagues because well your roster's kind of taken care of and what the club above you is saying is what you're doing so on this level when you don't have that you know you're going to react a little bit differently so it's hard to judge it when it's affiliate experience but experience is still good nonetheless yeah for sure and i i think that um it at least seems like a uh, a solid hire I'm, I'm excited to see uh when as Hagerstown starts to get closer and something that we've been talking about for, for a while. Yeah, so. certainly. And then just to wrap up on the Hagerstown news, this is more related to the team as opposed to the people running it. Chuck Domino is now involved in it. His company is running the branding on it. If you remember Chuck Domino, that's because he's involved in the uh, Charleston Dirty Birds. He was involved, I believe, in Lexington as well. Uh, he's He previously owned, uh, I guess it was the West Virginia Power when they were that and then they came over to the Atlantic League, and we all remember how that went. He's been deeply involved in the Atlantic League, is to say the least. He's going to help kind of create the brand of the team, the logo, you know, the whole nine there. So I'd expect uh, fairly similar results to what we're going to see in Frederick because Domino was also involved in that branding too, even though we don't know the uh, Frederick branding quite yet. We're going to find that out in yeah. June. Uh, so uh, as far as a little continuation on that branding goes, uh, there's going to be a name the team contest for the Hagerstown Club. That's going to run from May 22nd to June 2nd. And then they're going to pick five semifinalists. And then there'll be a vote uh, from June 16th to June 30th on that with a July 13th announcement for the branding and merch unveil. So that process is moving a lot quicker than some of the other uh, rebrands or uh, new brands we've seen there, certainly. So on that kind of a fun note... If you are a Hagerstown fan or you plan to be supporting the Hagerstown Club, there's your chance for input. We always say it, but we'll say it again. Uh, all that information available in the show notes. And I'm sure when we have a link to any sort of uh, name the team contest, we'll put that up there as well. You know, I, I can't say I've ever seen a time where a team goes into the season without a name, but here we are in uncharted territory, though. But I'm, I'm nonetheless glad the team's in Frederick, though. It's something I've wanted for a long time. Yeah, Hagerstown and Frederick are going to be fantastic ads here. And speaking of Frederick, we look over there for this next little piece of news and the last piece of news before the preview. Uh, the Keys ownership, as well as the, I'm going to call them the question marks until we have a proper name for this Atlantic League club in Frederick. Uh, the keys in the question marks ownership has signed a 10-year lease extension with another 10-year option with the city of Frederick. So they will be there for at least another 10 years. Uh, that 10-year option, uh, it is, I assume, mutually uh, has to be agreed upon. It's not one side or the other there. 
Uh, the lease in year one and two will cost $25,000 annually. Then from years three through 10, $125,000 annually. And then in years 11 through 20, if that option is picked up, it will be $150,000 annually. Uh, although in the article it does make it clear that the keys are still committed to getting a professional development license and it does seem they still have some sort of a working relationship with the baltimore orioles of course the team they were previously affiliated with so make of that what you shall also note that uh, in that particular frederick ballpark there is renovations going on they are putting money into it so it does seem like they are making a push to get an affiliated team and who really knows what will happen if that comes to pass yeah, I think it's so unpredictable too. Because at the end of the day, like uh, that's great that Frederick wants to wants to become affiliated again. But at the end of the day, like you also have to look at it from the flip side. There's going to have to be another team that gets cut for mm-hmm. in order in order for Frederick to jump in. So unfortunately, there's no real precedent for that yet. I'm yep. not saying there won't. I'm not saying there won't be. Oh, there will be but, soon enough. But it, yeah, it, I mean, it's just, it's still so fresh and still so new, um, the new minor league system, really. So I think that, uh, as time goes on, we'll start to see how much of a precedent there is where literally like affiliates are like flip flopping and stuff like that. So I don't know. Any, I think most teams would, would, would want to be affiliated if, if possible. I think, I think every team would, uh, would rather be affiliated if that's, uh, if that's possible. So, um, I mean, Long Island was approached and they said no. So there's that. that, Is that true? Supposedly. That's what at least I remember hearing is that the ducks are one team that was approached, but they were like, yeah, we're good. I don't know if it just happened to be whatever the deal was. They didn't like, maybe it's Frank Bolton likes being in charge of whatever Frank Bolton owns. I don't know. Uh, but I do remember hearing that they were approached and they were like, we're good. Interesting. Yeah, but they're they're definitely the outlier too. Like, let's be clear yeah. about that. They're, they're the exception, not the rule. Exactly, a hundred percent there. So it'll be interesting to see with Frederick there because I I totally get like you said, being affiliated saves you a lot of expense, and in the grand calculus of everything, the benefits of being affiliated almost certainly outweigh the the negatives of being uh, affiliated, especially right. when you view. If you don't view, you know, having that roster control, if you don't view playing to win the game as the most important thing, especially from an ownership perspective, your only objective is to just, you know, make the money back to come as close to making money or to make as much money as you possibly can. Then, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to be affiliated because now you're going to get rehab players. You're going to be able to put a major league logo on your patch. And if they're a local team or the popular team in your region, I mean, you're going to have a lot of a, a, a big benefit there, plus prospects coming through. And it just seems a bit more official to the casual person, right? So I get it. I certainly do. Obviously, that's not necessarily the case. If you want to win and you want to see the higher quality of baseball, I probably put most independent leagues against a large chunk of affiliated teams and say the independent teams better. I think AAA is probably the exception there, but AAA is like a top five league in the world too. So like, let's, you know, in perspective, but yeah. So I think it's interesting from an Atlantic league perspective at the very least, because if you were to lose Frederick halfway through, what's the plan, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it should, should be interesting to see, but I do agree that, 
that at the end of the day, and I guess outside of Long Island, if you be, if you have the opportunity to become affiliated, uh, you uh, you take that opportunity. Exactly. That's just part of doing business if you're on the independent league level right now. And like I said, I'm going to be interested to see what the what the precedent is that gets set. Like, how is the marketplace going to work for uh, for teams like this for minor league baseball going forward? It's going to be very very right. interesting. On that note, I think we could just jump right to the preview now. We got through the news in a timely 21 minutes. So we have uh, just a preview to get through. And I say that like it's not going to take, you know, an hour plus to do this preview. And obviously for those that are sticking with us from the past, you know, four or five years of previews, uh, you are familiar with how we do things here. But we're going to change it up a bit because... Just doing one team or one division at a time and then saying, okay, this to this to this. It's a bit too methodical, I think. I think you lose a little bit of interest and you don't really get as good of a sense of each of the teams. So this year we're going to change it up a little bit. And if the Atlantic League one goes well, then we'll repeat it for the other three leagues. If it doesn't, then we can always go back to the old way of doing things, right? So this year we're going to look at the better batting teams. We're going to look at the better pitching teams. We're going to look at some well-rounded teams and you know some teams that aren't that well-rounded that aren't particularly good let's say and then we'll go through it and we'll ask some important questions about each of these teams futures in the near term and we'll give you some predictions to wrap it up at the very end so with that said we're going to kick it off with some rather strong batting teams you know what i just realized something what's that i forgot to say that we have basic information to go over you know the standard shit probably should go over that right now so. so as far as yeah i mean uh the for the for the basic info of course uh 126 games uh in the in the atlantic league season uh first half second half all that good jazz uh opening day which when everyone will hear it uh will be when, when everyone hears this the season will already be will already be uh uh ongoing given that opening day is uh the day we're recording this friday april 28th uh, and of course, the first and second half champions get an automatic bid to the playoffs. Uh, the new rules, they, as we went over extensively, the double hook DH rule is back. Uh, only one disengagement uh, per at bat of four pitchers. So, something that will certainly come into play and something we will talk about a lot, uh, as well as um, the designated pinch runner, where uh, a team can designate one player to come in the game and pinch run. Uh, and you can almost, and then you can just re-enter the starter back into the game. You can only do that once. And with the new teams being in, uh, as well as the uh, the Frederick question marks, uh, and uh, of course the Lexington counter clocks, the Lexington Legends have some thoughts on them later. But yep. uh, yeah, that's what we're we're going into. Yep, definitely. It's already weird seeing teams posting like the graphics that have like DPR on it. Because at first I was like, what, what does DPR mean? And I was like, oh, wait, that's their pinch runner. It's kind of weird to see on like a starting line of graphic. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's odd. It, it certainly is. And just as a reminder, first and second half champions make the postseason. If there's a repeat champion, we go to a wild card, which instead of using either the first or second half, uses the full year uh, records, which again... It just seems very arbitrary to say if there's a tiebreaker, the full year counts. But if not, then just what you did in the like last two, three months matters. So, you know, 
my thoughts on that playoff system are well known how I think if we're going to be doing this, we should just use the full, you know, year record and just take the top two teams at the end of the year from each division. But, you know, that would make way too much sense. And just in case people are wondering when the first and second half end, first half ends on July the 7th and the second half ends on September the 17th. So there is that. We already mentioned we're excited to see what Frederick can do. We've mentioned in the past that that counterclocks rebrand is sketchy. Uh, not the best. So what is that? Yeah. Uh, you see their logo or you see their jerseys rather? The counterclocks? Yeah. Are they rough? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's essentially a standard white on white with a single pinstripe, you know, right by the buttons like that going on each side, red yeah, pinstripe yeah, yeah. on it. Yeah. And right smack in the middle. Is the giant uh, counterclock C that says counterclocks on it? Well, not a fan, to say the least. Yeah, like, I'll put it like this. The design could have been saved if they would have just went to a pullover jersey as opposed to a button-down. It would have at least looked better, but now you have this giant C running right across the buttons in the middle. <laughs> so it just looks Electric. awkward. It looks awkward as hell. And the thing is, too... You could have just put like a mirrored version of the word counterclocks across the front of the chest. So that way right. it read counterclocks, but backwards. You could have so, done yeah. that. You could have ripped off the Cubs uh, design and just put the C over the chest. There's <sighs> options. There's a lot of That'd options. Be different. Yeah, That'd they, be different. Yeah. They could have went with the little mascot to do it on the horse. Put that off to a side too. You know, and that could have looked kind of cool, especially with like a blue jersey there. Maybe go with like some sort of like a jockey silks design as well there. Because like they're in Kentucky and they're embracing the racehorsing now. So you really could get kind of creative with this. I mean, look at like any major horse race. Look at the silks on the different jockeys. There's good designs there. You can utilize that, especially you go with like the famous uh, Kentucky Derby winner ones, you know, like go with like a secretariat silks look. You could take from that kind of thing and draw inspiration from it. I'm just saying there, there's a lot that could have been done with it, but you know, we've said enough on this rebrand. Yeah, we, we've said enough. Uh, baseball's interesting. Their baseball team's interesting too, but I, I'll hold off on that. Yeah, certainly. And this, to quickly look back at 2022, Southern Maryland won the first half by 12 games, Gastonia, also took their first half by six games. Lancaster came up, kind of surprised us all, had a really strong second half, won the second half by nine games. Gastonia continued to cruise. They were seeming to be the uh, the preeminent favorite to win the championship. They won the second half by 10 games. They didn't really look weak at all uh, at any point. High Point got the wild card, and then... High Point made the final by knocking off Gastonia and what I think we can safely call an upset. Lancaster also made the final. Uh, maybe not as much of an upset. Uh, seeing as Southern Maryland kind of tapered off a little bit in the second half, but still probably was the better team on paper. But, you know, games aren't played on paper. And that's why in the final, Lancaster swept High Point in three games to notch their third championship, their first since 2014. And that was really the only notable on the field play uh, or important play, I should say, that will matter for this. Yeah, I, I think it was quite an it was it was a unique a, a unique year uh, in in the Atlantic League last year, to put it mildly, and just because 
I, I think you saw a lot of teams that uh, that really exploded onto the scene that we haven't seen for a while, um, that we haven't seen being like legit contention uh, for a while. I mean, the uh, and then I, I think the number one story out of everything had to be the turnaround, the remarkable turnaround of uh, of the Honey Hunters last oh, yeah. year. And I, I think that undoubtedly has to be that that number one story in the um, in the job that that Guscazo did with with that squad was was remarkable. Of course, the Barnstormers winning the championship. Um, I mean, High Point's just been consistently good at this point. Uh, and then, of course, Long Island bouncing back is going to be a is, and can they bounce back is a is a is a big uh, headline, a big storyline going into this year. Oh, certainly. And I think that's that's a great point that you made there. With We saw some different teams, teams that hadn't had as much success as of recent, really kind of jump up and take the reins. You know, a high point team that, you know, they've always kind of consistently took that next step. They kept doing that this year. They made the postseason year one. Year two was kind of a little bit of a drop off, but they still did fine. You know, and then last year they said, OK, we're going to take the next step. We want a playoff round. And then they didn't do well in the final. So is it going to be another one step back to take a step forward or is it going to be a continued it Gastonia's turnaround? Like you said, was by far the story of the year. I mean, any team put up the numbers they did, any team steals over 300 bases like they do. We're going to talk about that for a long time. And, you know, to see them go on the first round was kind of surprising, but still it made things interesting. And Lancaster had not been a good team for, for a non insignificant amount of time, to be quite honest. And it had been the Ducks division for a very, very long time. And it was almost, you know, for a very, I don't keep saying very long time, but, you know, for a while, it was like, okay, Long Island in one half, Somerset in the other half. And being that Somerset's not here anymore, Long Island kind of had a bad year. It opened the door to some real excitement in the North and a lot of different things could have happened. And we got probably the most entertaining of them all. And hopefully we get more dramatics like that this year. And I'm looking forward to see what we're going to be talking about this time next year uh, when uh, when everything's all said and done. That starts by looking forward to the rosters in 2023. The true start of baseball season is when the indie ball, the, the indie ball report starts looking at uh, the rosters for the upcoming season. But a lot of good names, a lot of talent. Excited to uh, excited to break it down. Absolutely, and you know it's a tradition unlike any other. When we go ahead and we preview a roster, of which we'll probably have fifty plus percent turnover by this time in September. So it makes you wonder why we do it, but we also do it because there's going to be one or two guys on each team that stay the whole year and really just ball out and. The way a roster is constructed early on kind of gives you an idea as to the way that team wants to approach the season, certainly. And it could tell you a lot going forward what it's all about. Uh, as we start our descent into these 2023 teams, I'll always throw the caveat in of these rosters are never set in stone until pretty much an hour before first pitch. I've been working on getting all these things done. I waited to the last second to get them done. I didn't start the preview until Thursday. So whatever we have on here, we have on here. We may mention some guys that by the time you listen to this, wound up being cut. We may not mention a guy that made the team. We may talk about someone that made a different team than the one we talk about them on. That's just part of the danger of doing this. So if we misspeak on one player or we miss a guy or we talk about someone that you're going to say, oh, well, he's actually been in Mexico for two weeks. That's why. Because it's really hard to keep track of all these rosters. 
because they're really not set in stone until first pitch, and you never really know what happens with that. So with that said, that warning given, we're going to get it started with some of the better batting teams, at least on paper here. And I got to be honest, there's one player that kind of surprised me, and it's over on York's side of things. But the one guy I'm looking at, he played in Mexico last year, Otosaka is uh, is a solid ball player. I'm kind of surprised he's here. And I think when I look overall at the Revs team, I see a team that really does have some potential to be a better hitting team than they were in the past. There's some guys here that I feel like are primed for something. Obviously, in York, power isn't necessarily a thing we look at. But Nelly Rodriguez was a very reliable bat for them last year. And I don't know why. I just get the sense of... They have a lot more to tell here because there's some AAA talent. There's some talent from uh, from other leagues as well. And under Rick Forney, I just have a good feeling about this. It's when when you mentioned uh, when you did the lead in Nick as far as good offensive teams. York was definitely the one that I was that, that I was going to hit on too because yep. I see I see a lot of potential with this lineup and look they the york is york scoring runs is not a new concept because that's yeah. that's generally what you do based on the ballpark they play in yeah. i mean uh tomo Osaka, i think is a guy that it, that is going to be fascinating to watch uh this year too is definitely more of a a, a high contact guy mm-hmm. uh and i think gives york i think a new dimension of athleticism that they haven't had uh and not that they you know haven't been able to score runs but a lot of them is a lot of their lineups over the last few years under Mark Mason have been kind of built around the solo home run ball. Yeah. Um, and which, you know, could work sometimes didn't work very much last year. Uh, not to say there are, there is a lot of power in this, uh, in, with this team. You mentioned, um, of course, Nelly Rodriguez too, coming off 26 home runs last year. I'll tell you one guy I'm, I'm really intrigued by Nick yeah. uh, and as a, a major league baseball prospect freak myself. Drew Mendoza, uh, he's he last year spent uh, spent most of the year uh, with with High A Wilmington um, has gotten up to Double A before. He's a guy. He was a very well thought of prospect. Yeah. Uh, he was he was a guy that was that was very very highly regarded for his bat. He was a very good college player, um, and he was drafted high. He just did not. He just didn't the pan system out. just didn't really pan out. However, we have seen a lot of cases in where indie ball has kind of been that uh, has really been that turning point uh, for guys uh, for guys when they kind of fizzle out of a, a initial farm system, uh, whether expectations were there or not, or what whatever this case may be, they they have a stint in indie ball, uh, and then a team picks them up and likes them again. And Mendoza. Uh, Mendoza is a guy that I, I am really intrigued by uh, in this York lineup. So I, I think there's, uh, and certainly there's, there's other guys I like a lot. And Trey Martin uh, is, yeah. Oh, is, yeah. is, is, I think Trey Martin's a fantastic addition in, in this lineup uh, that, that Rick Forney brought over. Stokes certainly as well yeah, brings nice a little bit of power. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I think, I, I really think that this York lineup is going to be up there among among the best in the league for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even Dion Stanford's another guy who came in from Winnipeg, too. He's not a bad hitting catcher. I'm not expecting a ton out of most catchers, you know, from uh, an offensive perspective here. But it's still a guy. He put up eight home runs in Winnipeg. 
And, you know, he hit for a little bit extra there. He's putting up about a run every other game. So, obviously, not walking a ton. His on-base isn't great, but still, he had over one base a game. Close to, I believe, about a base and a quarter a game. So, he's not terrible there. He doesn't strike out too much either. Less than one of those a game. So, overall, I think he's a nice little kind of subtle piece as well there. But when we look at other really solid hitting teams in the South particularly i think there's a couple of teams there that are really solid in that regard and the, it starts with high point for me like they have some good pitchers too and i suppose we could talk about them as one of the more well-rounded teams but for me i look at the batting on this team and guys like ben Aklinski jump out to me yeah uh, there's some other guys there as well like a michael russell a guy who's hit for average pretty consistently mike martinez another guy there former major league talent there as well and then you have guys like Xander Weil, uh, guys like TJ Bennett, a solid addition there. He was really good for Lake Country. They're playing for his dad last year. And this year has been kind of the theme of Atlantic Leagues taking away sons from father managers. Casey Hobson jumps back over here to, uh, to Southern Maryland this year as well. And then a guy that American Association fans will also know in Ryan Groupjohn, a solid player for the Monarchs in the past. He comes over here as well. This seems to be a really solid lineup from Jamie Keefe and company. And I really like the potential that comes here. Now, you may look at Groot John's kind of combined numbers from his time in AA and in the American Association, and it may not look as great. But if you just look at those Monarch numbers, he's a guy that put up numbers there. And of course, there's also some other guys here. I see there's a Pecos Leaguer as well, which who really knows what to make of them. But every once in a while, they kind of surprise you. Well, Grotron's also a guy that the number the, his batting average won't jump out at you at 236, but hell, he got on base at a 391 clip. I don't give a damn what your batting average is if you're getting on at a 391 clip uh, on base. I yeah. mean, that's good enough. That's good enough for me to put you at the top of the lineup. I mean, I think that uh, with it's hard to find guys uh, that it, it's hard to find a better building block a better building block than a guy like Ben Aklinski, uh and Xander Wheel at the, at the in the middle of the order. Quincy Lattimore seems like has has been a power threat that he you know sometimes he'll go to Mexico for a couple of months then he'll come yeah. back. Uh but yeah, I think I mean I think this high point team's excellent. They're they're not to get too ahead of myself, but I they're they're one of my teams that I love coming into the year. Uh, and they're a team and shed long, another guy who's a decently oh, yeah. well thought of prospect with, with Seattle. And, uh, yeah, I think he also uh, got a little bit of major league time as well. He did. Yep. Yes, he did. So, uh, it's, I think it's been a couple of years since that happened, but mm-hmm. I mean, he, again, he's another, uh, intriguing piece as well. And I think, uh, and another team, I think offensively, I'd be you know remiss if, uh, if I didn't, uh, talk about his Gastonia oh, just yeah. because, uh, just because, they're a team that, you know, they're not a team that's going to blow you away with power, but the speed that they showed last year uh, was just insane. And when you combine that with, and this is some, this is a really important point about the the fact that the one disengagement per at bat speed is going to become even more important. Gastonia has it, but when we also talk about. Uh, you know, they probably needed, you know, you think about come playoff time and in short series, what do you need? You need, you need some power guys. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, you know, we've seen that consistently in, in, you know, any 
playoff game. And then, so, you know, what did they do? They go out and they add Carlos Franco. So, uh, really solid ball player there. I mean, 31 home runs last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, Franco has been a terrific hitter and in this league for, for quite a while. And so, I think Frank, the, I think Gastonia adding Franco I, I think gives that lineup um, a, a new dimension of power that uh, that the, again the best teams that that I come to find are are teams that that have it all and they have the speed they have the contact guys they have the power guys that are not all built around one one ideal and one facet and those are the teams that I think and the the battle that uh, between Gastonia and and High point this year to me is going to be fascinating because I think I think both these teams are fantastic. Oh, absolutely, and especially onto the point of Franco, there he's not just you know a power guy. He still hit for nearly two eighty five. He still got on base almost uh, with a four hundred, and he's got what like nearly seventy five walks too. He gets on base and struck out under a hundred times for a guy who hit thirty plus homers. That's a rare feat. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a really, really solid ball player there in every which way you look at it. Plus, you add in a guy like, say, a J.C. Ascara, too, behind the plate. That's another nice addition here. He provides a little bit of power. Only 12 home runs, but that was in 70 games, too. So, you know, he's good for, what, one every seven games or so? Which, I get, you play, you know, five-game series, three-game series, so you may not get one on that particular day. But still, he provides that threat of it. You never know when you're going to quite get it. And if everybody else can just get on base and do their job, then you then you look pretty solid. I mean, you look up and down the whole lineup here, at least on the preview sheet, everybody's at a pretty respectable number for their batting average, for their on-base percentage, for the walks they're drawing. You know, obviously the speed's still here. A guy like Zach Garrett coming back is a huge addition there. A guy, I mean, he puts up, what, 32 stolen bases? You bring in another guy, or you return another guy with 55 stolen bases, and Jack Reimheimer, uh, former major leaguer, of course, too. But you look overall at this team, and they do seem to be one of the better batting teams. And the last point I'll make on them, at least for their batting for now, is... Jared Davis is a very sneaky good player. Mm. He doesn't really jump out at you, but he did very well in Evansville. If for nothing else, then he never really was bad. He may be kind of, you know, middle of the road, milk toast to use a big word, where he wasn't blowing off the stat page, but he would never be bad. And if you can just consistently hit like mid-270s, chip in a home run every couple of weeks, you know, just go about, do your job, provide offense, get on base, don't be a liability. If you could just do that like he does, you're going to find your way onto a lot of teams because that has a lot of value. And likewise, there's a lot of guys here too with some upper level minor league experience, you know, double, triple A, maybe some other kind of secondary leagues that kind of run adjacent to those affiliated minor systems. So yeah, I guess Stoney is a great one to bring up, Will, in that this is a really solid team from a bad. If I could add, one, if I could add one more player too on the on the as far as Gastonia, a guy yeah. that uh, Atlantic League fans probably don't they probably don't know the name of, but yeah. is a, a a guy that I think is a potential breakout candidate, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Moya. So he is is the name. He uh, he didn't play or he didn't play last year. He played uh, in he played he played in Japan for quite a few years. I think. Uh, parts of four seasons uh, in Japan 
uh, in the NPB. Uh, he's a guy in, first of all, he is a mountain of a man, a left-handed swinger, six foot seven, 260 pounds. Jesus uh, he's, Christ. Yeah. He's a linebacker. Yeah. He's had some big power seasons uh, in the past. Uh, most recently had a 23 home run season in Japan uh, in 2019. Now, doesn't walk a lot, so the, that part of the profile worries me a little bit. Uh, however, I think coming down from Japan uh, to do a league like the Atlantic League, especially if the pitching isn't always great, if you're looking for guys who um, who could potentially break out and really kind of form into their power, he's still 31 years old, so uh, not so still in plenty good physical shape. Uh, I think Moy is a guy that that intrigues me as a potential breakout candidate. He definitely does. I mean, if he's putting up those kinds of numbers in MPB, I have to imagine they're going to translate to the Amer- uh, the Atlantic Lake. I do wonder, I mean, there's not even really any sort of, you know, experimental rule that I think would harm him in any way. I mean, honestly, he may be the kind of guy just at that size. I got to imagine he doesn't move that great. He's not that fast of a runner. So he mm. may be the kind of guy that you see a designated pinch runner for a lot. Especially yeah. with Gastoni, where you are able to kind of have the luxury of having one or two really fast guys on the bench that you could say, all right, you're going to be our pinch runner for the day. I mean, they, there's certainly some potential for that there, I think. there, and uh, I don't want to make this too much of a Honey Hunters bit here because I don't want to spend too much time on one team. But but Sensley is another guy I look at. Limited Frontier League experience, and who knows how that's going to transfer over. But there's something about him where I just get this sense like he could potentially jump up. Again, not the most, you know, Gastonia of Gastonia players here, but I feel like there's something there. I, I don't know why. That name just jumps out at me. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a team with uh, with a lot of good players, uh, and, I mean, that's why they were so they were so good last year. But uh, I think another team as well, uh, I think offensively that, you know, we talked about because of the big names and, again, the, the preface – for Long Island Ducks baseball is always, we have no idea what this team is going to look like by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, because, but then again, uh, whenever you have Daniel Murphy in your lineup, you got to give, you, you got to give the team a chance. So yeah. I think, I think how Murphy does is going to be really interesting. I think Boog Powell's a great piece as well at the top of the lineup, but Danny Echeverria uh, too, uh, for, for however long that you know, he sticks around. Like Phil Caulfield, Phil, uh, Phil Caulfield a lot as well. He's good, um, more of a contact guy as well. And, and other other nice pieces in this lineup too. Your Sam Travis, your Ruben Tejadas. Uh, I don't think, at least on on the surface for the Ducks, yeah. you don't see a, you don't see a guy that I, jumps out like yeah. You see names. I I got that you see names. I don't see a star, but I see a lot of depth, and I see a lot of depth in this lineup to begin the year. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to them in a little bit because they definitely fall into that well-rounded category, at least in my mind, because they do have some solid pitching here with guys like Iorio Jose, Kuzia, you know, guys like that. I think they're worthy of more of the, you know, kind of joint one here. But to spend some time on them for the for the batting portion of this, Hechevaria definitely jumps out here. Tahada being kind of like a secondary mention, and Lynn being another guy that's kind of like a secondary mention. It's kind of crazy to me that we're just kind of like yeah they're they're there too they're part of the all mlb infield that they have and you're right where we never really know what the team's going to wind up looking like at the end of the season here but 
when guys like Dustin Woodcock are 50-50, they're making your lineup, despite having a very solid year last year. You know, batting about 250, yes, but 16 home runs and providing some real offense on a team that wasn't particularly strong offensively last year in Long Island. I mean, you want to go back and look at the uh, Long Island rankings for offense. Eighth in runs. Yeah, they were second in hits, but they were seventh in home run and seventh in total bases. I mean, what really came through for them uh, overall was kind of getting those hits. It, it was kind of 50-50 for them offensively. They weren't the best of teams in that regard, batting 272 as a uh, offensive unit. And yeah, they had some guys like Carlo come up, Diaz had performed, but they really were just a shaky team in that regard where you had like four guys, this is the offense, hopefully other guys can chip in today. And you need to at least have some reliable performers that you know once in every three days they're going to do well. So that way, those core three guys, they always will be good. And you can have at least another three showing up in the lineup. And they didn't really have that last year. And it seems like they definitely addressed that. If for nothing else, with the infield grouping. And uh, I mean, we didn't even mention the fact that Anthony Peroni is also there now behind the plate. Which is a solid catcher too. The numbers may not look like it, but he is a really good catcher as well. Yeah, defensively, he's uh, you know he's he, he's a good piece. But you're right; I think it's a well-rounded uh, a a well-rounded group. But it's, I mean, the infield in particular is, is really good. But oh, yeah. uh, but but I think you know it's just a matter of can they stick together? How do they, how do they perform? And offensively, just need a little bit more thump than they did last year. Definitely. And on that, no, I do want to switch over to the pitching here because I think there's some yeah. definitely really good pitching teams, some solid pitching teams here, and. It, you can't talk about Atlantic League pitching without starting in Southern Maryland. This is a team that I feel like it's going to be similar to last year in that it's live and die by pitching here. There's a lot of really good players here. Daryl Thompson goes without even needing an introduction. We know he's going to be the backbone of this team's pitching staff. And he's going to defy every aging curve known to man until the end of his career. Mitch Lampson was a very solid player last year. Sandro Cabrera is a guy coming in from Washington who looks to be a really, really good pitcher. Was in the Frontier League, and I think he can replicate that. Certainly, he's an at the very least, a better bet to replicate it than a lot of the teams have in this league, seeing as there's a lot of guys with like single A or lower experience that are going to be expected to perform this year. And I don't know if that's going to work out great. I mean, even on Southern Maryland, you have some NCAA guys that are going to be coming in here that are going to have to do some work here. And obviously, they don't have as good of a bullpen. It doesn't look like Matt Latos is back. It doesn't look like Andrews Brasino is going to be back anytime soon. I mean, brasino has got an ERA of one in AAA so far this year. So, you know, he's, he's dominating on his own here. But there's a lot of guys, I think, on this Southern Maryland pitching staff that are really, really studs. And I'm going to be very curious to see how they do this year. Yeah, I don't love the team overall. Um, yeah. I, th- I agree. I think there's a lot of they're they're definitely a team that I think should be expected to regress on paper. Uh, however, I do on, on the pitching end of things, and of, of course, I mean we could talk about Daryl Thompson until the sun goes down. Guy I did want to mention though as well uh, that I'm really intrigued by is Andre Scrub. Mm. Uh, he's a he's a guy who had some big league time with the Houston Astros. Uh, a guy who's I mean he, he is he has really good stuff. Has struggled with injuries. Uh, over the last uh, over the last couple of seasons, uh, and was kind of working his way back. 
uh, last year, so didn't uh, didn't really have a whole lot um, of time through through in the uh, Dominican Winter League as well. So I, I think Scrub is a guy that I look to in this bullpen. I'd be comfortable giving high leverage innings to hmm. uh, out of the pen and looking for, and it's so hard to replicate what they had with the, the Brasino Latos combo. Yeah. But I think, I think scrub, the problem is, is I think scrub is a prototypical guy of show your, show me you're healthy and then I'll pick you up. So could be something to watch for there, but I think he I think he has the talent and as a guy and I'm, I'm intrigued by in the Southern Maryland pitching staff. Certainly. I think the this year where last year you had obviously a couple of guys that were really solid starters, but you had a bullpen to back them up. I feel like this year is a year where we're really gonna see the crabs kind of lean on that starting pitching staff where you see Thompson go out and do work, you see Cabrera go out and do work, you see Lampson go out and do work. And then the other guy, uh, Alex Merthew or me through. He's a guy that he had a good year last year. You know, he started half the games. He got into an eight and three record. I know wins are a team stat, not a pitcher stat, but even still an ERA below four, which in the Atlantic league is something of note. Didn't really walk a lot of guys. He threw 106 innings, only walked 24 guys. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. He didn't strike out all that many 73 in those 106 innings, but even still overall, he did his job. And I'm going to be interested to see if he can't take that next step. And if he can, then you have a pretty solid one, two, three, four coming in there. Now, of course, maybe you say we need that bullpen help. He's going to be more of a bullpen pitcher as opposed to a starter. And that's certainly one way of taking it. But I think kind of leaning on that starting rotation is the way they're going to have to go about doing it this year. And obviously hoping that some of these other guys that didn't exactly have the best showings in the world uh, at different levels kind of get it together and really pull down the fort in that bullpen. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think they is a team that will uh, really look to lean on, on that starting pitching um, as well. Uh, and I think another team that as well, that I'm interested in, in that sense is actually, uh, is actually the Frederick baseball club. Yeah, question marks, yeah, question marks. Whatever we want to call them this day. Whatever works, whatever works. I uh, and this this Frederick team, I tell you, I like them on paper. I oh really yeah. Do. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you uh, when you have, uh, I think this the pitching staff in particular. There's a lot of a lot of guys that I like on here. I mean, how do you? I mean, you can't start anywhere uh, without talking about David Kubiak. Uh, uh, making a, his return. Yeah, making his return to to the uh, to the Atlantic League uh, as well. And guys like Dustin Beggs have been in the uh, uh, have Atlantic League experience as well. But uh, other guys uh, too that I, I really like, like Villanueva, Jeff Johnson, both guys that uh, that uh, pitched for Charleston and Lexington, uh, respectfully at some points. Uh, as and another guy, Brett DeCuss, is uh, former former Major League Rule Five pick. Uh, by the Texas Rangers, so um, yeah, Feigl's also another good guy in this too, right? I, I think there's there's a lot of depth in this pitching staff. Dovidas Nevaraskis from uh, former Pittsburgh Pirate uh, got had some big league time with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pitched a little bit in Japan too. Uh, I think he he's a guy that that I'm looking forward to watching uh, in here uh, here as well. Uh, and Ma- Max Povsey too is a guy that I've been high on uh, that that I've been high on in the past and. I know the numbers last year were 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 pretty rough, 
Uh, but uh, as he turned into a, after he got uh, turned into the uh, into a reliever. So I don't know though. I, I think there's there's a lot of guys that really intrigue me uh, on this pitching staff. And I mean, when you talk about major league veterans too, Stephen Brault is going to mm-hmm. be in, will be in this rotation as well. I mean, uh, I mean Stephen Brault, uh, he's he's uh, was solid pitcher for the Pirates for a while. Also sang the national anthem once or twice. Huh. And was is a very a good fact. very good singer. Yeah, it is. I mean, so uh, so I, I think that when I look at Pitching staffs and who I really like across the Atlantic League, I'd put a, I'd put Fredericks up there with anybody. Yeah, definitely. I think they're even more of a, a well-rounded type of team because they have some really interesting aims on the batting side too. But as far as their pitching concern, uh, Winston Lavender, he's a guy that I really like as well. One of the few bright spots from that Lexington team, Kentucky type of setup there, which is why a guy like Nate Padan's also interesting to me too because it's like they didn't really have good pitching teams over there in Kentucky last year so maybe they turn it around here too I really am interested in what uh, Mark Minikazi's put together here with this whole team Andrew Johnston I think is about the only pitcher we haven't named and even him he had a solid little outing the last time he truly had a healthy season he looked pretty solid out of the bullpen now I thought he was kind of done when he collapsed on the field after you know I believe he what was it was it his Achilles that went out when he was pitching for Southern Maryland, like a couple years back, like in 19, I think it was. I don't remember, honestly. Because I remember watching that game and he went down. I was like, you know, I just hyped him up in the preview too. I was like, I thought he was going to have such a great year. And then he got injured after throwing like an inning, maybe three innings. It was, it was a rough one. So I thought he was done, but he's back. And he's a, there's a lot of really good guys here. I'm not sure you mentioned Dustin Beggs, but he's another guy too. Overall, Frederick seems like the most, like their name, question mark team to me. Where if it comes together, I really could see them being a really solid team here. And unlike a team like, say, Southern Maryland, where we're talking about them, okay, their pitching's going to have to carry them, especially the rotation. And then there's some guys, they're like, you know, we didn't mention any of the batters, but like Braxton Lee's going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting as far as at the plate goes, and Jake Sunberg can get on base, and then he can get from first to third pretty easily. But, you know, there's not a lot of big hitters in that lineup. Here, it seems like if you could just get 50% production out of both of them, there's certainly a lot of potential here. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it's whenever you're building a team from scratch, it becomes a lot, it becomes difficult. But I think that I, I, I like where. I like where Mark Minakazi. I think Minakazi's done a great job with this team. I'm excited. I'm excited to see them uh, in action for sure. Definitely. And one of the other teams that I think could deceptively be a really good pitching team and could even just be a good team in general is Stanton Island. And mm. if you if you hear me out on it, it's because last year yeah. they weren't a bad pitching team. You look at them, and of course, they don't have guys like Matt Soltar anymore. They switched out Capion for Fuller uh, in the bullpen there. But if you look at their pitching rankings overall, yeah, they let up 720 runs, but 100 of them were unearned. That's a lot of unearned runs. Like, they were a pretty good team. If you remember, we were watching this team. They were losing a lot of games in the beginning part of the year, but they were keeping games tight into the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. They just started to fall apart a little bit. They didn't have anything to back it up. And in the second half, 
they really recovered. They had a good second half, you know, not great, but they were 30 and 36. That's not a bad second half. Six games under 500 is not terrible. And if they didn't go 18 and 48 to open up the year, then they probably are in a much more interesting situation down the stretch here. And obviously there was other issues, you know, the whole Kevin Krause situation, which we'll talk about him because he's back at Stan Island now. You know, that team last year was not a terrible team. And a guy like, say, Anthony Rodriguez, I think could be a very solid player for them. Uh, Jim Fuller's a solid bullpen guy. Jordan Simpson has some potential there. I do like Eddie Reynoso, even though, you know, he's been up and down, certainly. But as far as a bullpen guy, I like him a lot. He threw a lot of innings. They seem to trust him. Now, obviously, new manager and Homer Bush in there. So maybe the trust level is a little bit different. Got to be earned back with a different guy. But he seems to be a pretty solid guy. McGowan is another guy, former major leaguer. He comes in too. There's a lot of pieces here on Staten Island that I think could very well be interesting. Even a guy like Williams Ramirez is a really good reliever. So I think that this is a team that's kind of sneaky deep. Now, obviously... There's a lot of other things that have to go right for them. You can't just win on pitching alone because pitching's only half the game. It only keeps the runs off the board. You still got to put runs on the board to win games. But sneaky, this could be a good sneaky pitching team. Now, you know, there's things to go to add on to it, but that's kind of where I look at it at this point. Interesting. And, and I, I see, I see I, I cert, your point is certainly uh, is certainly well taken. They're a much better team in the second half of the season. Staten Island was, and uh, and pitching wise, they weren't that bad throughout the year. Another another uh, arm I want to throw in into the mix as well. I think Parker Bug is in due is, is due for mm-hmm. uh, a, a nice year as well. I mean, last year in AAA in the in the uh, Marlins organization with the with the Jumbo Shrimp. Three eight the three eighteen ERA and in just under forty innings pitched uh, and struck out more than a batter per inning. So I think uh, I think he's a guy that perhaps just w- was one of the odd men out as far as just because he's twenty eight years old. Uh, I think he's he's a reliever that or maybe they can even stretch him a little bit into a multi inning reliever, maybe even a starter in any ball. I don't know, but I I think he's a guy that that uh, that. I'm I'm excited for as well, uh, and you know Alex Katz. We always, always mm-hmm. love seeing Alex Katz around. He's he's always a he's always a, a, a mm-hmm. reliable uh, a reliable arm. Certainly has to cut down on the walks from walk problems that he had last year. Twenty two and twenty four twenty two walks in twenty four innings isn't going to cut it. it, but he's a decent arm too. So I think your point's well taken that uh, that Staten Island could be much improved uh, as far as. Fit- much improved pitching wise this year. Yeah, and even Pedro Bayano is another interesting name too. Triple A guy had success at that level last year. There's I just think that they could be that team. Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but I think it's worthy of note. But with that said, I do want to switch it over to some of the more well rounded teams. We touched on them. In fact, we spent a little bit of time on Frederick as one of those teams I view as a well rounded team. But there's a few in there that I don't think really excel like are definitively a pitching team or definitively a batting team, right? But there's some teams in here that are just really good at both of them. And I think Long Island and Frederick are the two kind of poster children for that. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think the, uh, especially I think on, on the Ducks end, because they, they've added a lot of, uh, they've added, they've added a lot of arms that, that I'm certainly, that, that I'm really high on. I mean, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Lobstein as well. 
uh, a guy who was from, who pitching in Mexico uh, last year, Jose Jose. We love Jose Jose oh, yeah. on the show. Fantastic I mean, reliever and he 80 certainly grade is. Yeah, yeah, 80 grade name can't beat it, uh, and a. Uh, certainly a guy that that's going to be around Al Albuquerque, a, a major league veteran, yeah, uh, Brett like Kennedy. How, the, yeah. I was just going to say like, we named all these former major league guys and we just kind of glanced over Al Albuquerque. Like that's a yeah. really great addition. And on a lot of other teams, we'd be spending a lot of time on him, but with Long Island, they're just so deep in every regard and every facet that it's just like, Oh yeah. Al Albuquerque's here too. By the way, Brett Kennedy's our opening day starter. He was a former major leaguer too. So yeah, Brett Kennedy's Brett, Brett Kennedy is a guy that, uh, that, I mean, he was picked up and was kind of a death arm in that, in the Red Sox organization last year. Uh, so like in, in double a, I believe. So, uh, Kennedy is a, uh, one, of, one of the better, I think rock solid aces that you can have, uh, on this team. So I think, I, I think Long Island, when you talk about teams that are well-rounded, Joe Iorio certainly, uh, has been very consistent for a while. Um, uh, even, even a guy like Matt Vogel, I think Matt Vogel is an interesting piece just because mm. the ERA is bad. Uh, it was bad last year. The walks and strikeouts were not. I think there could be some uh, some progression uh, made in that way. I mean, 38 strikeouts in 28 innings. I'm I'm already intrigued right off the bat. So uh, I think there's uh, there there's a team with with a lot of pitching and um, and not to, and they usually have a lot of pitching to start the year. But I think last year was a, a, a matter of replacing those arms that they that they struggled with. But to start off the year, they, the the Ducks, as they always are, they're are a well-rounded squad. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, really, the three Joes are really what's interesting here. With the Joe Cusa, a really good bullpen guy, we saw it with Stan Island. He threw a lot of innings and maintained a low ERA on a team that really wasn't doing any pitcher any favors. Then Joe Iorio, you mentioned, he's been a very reliable duck arm for a very long time, and I. He just feels like the next in the line of guys that winds up being a duck for essentially their whole career and racking up a lot of numbers. He seems like the next guy like that. And then Joe DiCarlo, a guy we mentioned a little bit earlier as a solid behind-the-plate guy. If you're running a tandem behind the plate of Joe DiCarlo, because he's not going to be getting any third base time with the kind of infield the Ducks have, and Anthony Peroni, that's a really good-looking duo there behind home plate. I mean, you got a lot of options and a lot of roster versatility here, a lot of lineup versatility for Wally Backman to play with. I mean, you got like six different starting caliber infielders. You have like four different really good outfielders, two good catchers, a stacked bullpen. I mean, starting pitching is really the only area where I'm kind of so-so on, and you know, even that. I mean, if you're good everywhere else, you can survive the starting pitching. Yeah, and you, with the with the depth of the bullpen that they have, you don't need to get you don't necessarily need your starters to get into the seventh to get into the seventh inning to be successful the way a team like Southern Maryland might have to. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's a I think it's a, a squad that's gonna that's gonna be up there. Uh, is and I, I think it's due for for a bounce back year. Definitely. They're definitely one of those teams I look at. Frederick's the other team I, I immediately comes to mind. We talked about them in a little bit of depth here on the pitching side of the things with all the guys they have there. But even on a batting perspective, they have some really talented guys. Craig DeDilo is a guy that I really look at. And I'm like, I like everything I see about him. Like the batting average is whatever, but he provides a lot of power. He provides runs, decent amount of walks. 
Yeah, I don't love the fact he struck out over 200 times last year. I'm not loving that. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I still like him a lot as a player, certainly. Gavin Johns is another guy in that grouping of just had a very solid season last year. Really like him there. Jimmy Paredes, Johnny Turbo, fantastic name as always. Johnny Turbo, always going to mention him. You know, these are two solid guys as well. Uh, you can keep going down the list of guys. I won't take them all, but I mean, I got to mention Sterling Castro, a guy that was, what, a major league all-star, a, a top uh, shortstop for a little bit of time there. He's on board, even if it's not the same Sterling Castro, still a guy worthy of note. And naturally, Scott Kelly continues to uh, speed run his Atlantic League career by never missing a single year. Never. Not, not missing a game. Just uh, And even a guy like uh, like... Like like Rowdy Reed too, yeah. um, he's got quite a lot of power and an 18 home run hitter last year in the minor leagues. The only problem is he's he's not really a factor defensively, uh, which is I assume what what drug dragged his value down and why mm. why he's here. But I mean, man, can he pulverize baseballs? So uh, like R- Rowdy Reed, certainly a, a guy I'm very interested to see uh, in in Frederick as well. But uh, I think. Yeah, Frederick is a team that I think is, is extremely well rounded, uh, and I, we we talked about their we touched on their pitchers earlier, but um, even a guy like Cole Cottom, like a minor league depth catcher in the Red Sox organization, mm-hmm. uh, for for a number of years as well. So uh, certainly an, a good looking squad. Oh yeah, and see, like the only thing that gives me pause with this is we've seen the first year teams before, right? But yeah. Mark Minikazi has experience in this league as a player, as a manager. This is his third year and his third team, obviously, all for very different reasons. But, you know, it's still a first-year team. And I can never tell what to make of that because it always can go so many different ways, especially just from the matter of refilling your roster, right? And, you know, Frederick's new to the whole independent ball scene I don't know how the ballpark's going to play. I don't know some factors here, but as far as new teams go, they're like the oldest new team, if that makes sense. They got a lot of really talented ballplayers here, but there's just something that hangs me up about, you know, first year team. It, it just, it spooks me, even if it doesn't really make sense on paper. I mean, the only team that's been able to do it, uh, it was High Point. Well, Lexington, Lexington also. Oh, true, Lexington, yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, even Lexington, though, that's even though the, their their second this their second half wasn't good. Oh yeah, no, uh, bad. so they they had they had their struggles before, of course, getting hot and winning the championship. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I I think it, it's a uh, it, it's a I think Minakazi really helps there though, just because he's he's done this before, he's done this exact situation uh before so uh but i, I think minikazi's done a great job assembling a, a team on paper that looks like a that looks like a title threat it certainly does and i'm not really sure if i can find too many other teams that really kind of fit in that well-rounded grouping like maybe a high point would you consider a high, point? high point i would i would i think high point 
is they, they have a lot of uh, Atlantic League veterans in their in their pitching staff, guys like Liam O'Sullivan, Bryce Hensley, uh, Craig Stem, uh, in in that in that starting rotation. They've got they've got some nice bullpen arms, Jonathan Crawford, uh, as well. That you know that has also pitched in the American Association for a bit. I mean, Mitch mm-hmm. Atkins too. I I think I think there's there's a, a decent amount of arms here that I am that that I like and that I'm high on. I think Ryan Dull, former uh, Oakland A arm as well, that has, has some Atlantic League time too. So I I I'd put high point in that uh, in that well rounded category. Yeah, like I also want to point out DJ uh, DJ Burt too, another solid player on that front. Um, are we still expecting anything out of Liam O'Sullivan? Because he was good in Somerset, and then it just never seemed to really pan out elsewhere. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I guess yeah. Last year's not his, he definitely struggled last year. He was always a pitch to contact guy, so those guys, I guess, are a bit more volatile than others. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, you could you could make that argument. I think, regardless, though, I think there's a lot of uh, the, there's you know there's arms like like Stem and Atkins and, and yeah. guys like Mickey that. Janice too, to a certain extent. Brandon Brandon Lee Brandt too is a guy I I really mm, like in the yeah. uh, former former Philly prospect uh, too is a left handed starter. Um, I, I think I think Lee Brandt could be could be quite a good fit in this league, is, especially because uh, he's a guy that uh, in 69 and a third innings uh, only walked 16 with 68 punch outs. That's those are those are, that's a good uh, ratio right there. So I think Lee Brandt's a guy I'm excited for uh, in, the, in in this high point rotation. Yeah, no, he's definitely one of those guys too. Remember when he was going to be in the league a couple years back, and then he got signed like right around opening day before he even got a chance to pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching him pitch in the All-American Baseball Challenge. In the oh, pandemic. God, that. Yeah, I remember that. Did someone, I think it's Jesse Russo, who's on Long Island, that the last real meaningful baseball he played was that All-American Baseball Challenge. Like, I saw that pop up. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. It, it was kind of took me by surprise. But What yeah, a time that was. I know, it, it was crazy there. But yeah, High Point definitely is, uh, is I think, really the only other team that really could be said for well-rounded do you think there's a case for gastonia too or is that really stretching it here because i mean they have some good pitching i will say that like i like van steensel i love matt hall marcus walden's a solid player too but i look elsewhere santa b is good but you know everyone else i don't really know what to expect from them i don't love gastonia's uh i don't love gastonia's pitching either i don't mind a guy like sal romano too yeah. the guy who's yeah. got who's got who's got some big league time uh there as well uh, as far as matt hall uh in the transaction log it has him as released as a oh they right of him oh, okay. so, see this well, is what, he, yeah he could get picked up i don't know maybe he got picked up then we just don't know could very well be i mean that wouldn't surprise me either because they made a point of acquiring him from kc and i remember seeing i was like oh okay that's a big name yeah they probably let him go to go get some more money elsewhere that's what i'm thinking definitely could be a case there maybe it's a contract purchase we don't know or does the atlantic league do the thing where they actually list a contract purchase that'd that'd be really cool yeah and wouldn't surprise me either i mean the dude balled out last year so i mean you take him away from this team you know, it starts to get a little bit more sketchy. I mean, like, Gunnar Kynes is a guy that I've wanted to see succeed for a very long time, and I just am starting to get to the point where I'm giving up some hope on him because, like, I don't know if it's going to happen. 
it just seems like to me with Kynes that he's never been able to make the jump. Yeah. Is that, is that, a, is that a fair I statement? think it is. Like, he gets right up to the edge of it. Because you look at his numbers and it's like, okay, 128 strikeouts to 28 walks. I love that. And then it's just like, okay, but you didn't do it. You didn't finish it. Like, every time he looks like, okay, this is the year, it's not the year. Because he goes up and then he gets killed. It's like... Yeah, he's obviously had some really great years in the Frontier League and stuff, but uh, but you're right, it doesn't. He hasn't had it yet until he shows uh, at this level. I think there's got there should be some cautious optimism with him. Yeah, I mean, like on a batting side, we already went over like the the talent that's there. It's a very deep batting team. Even guys like Cole Freeman, that I don't think we really mentioned all too much. He's a solid player as well. But I mean, like. I just I'm I'm short of saying they're a well-rounded team. It feels like the bats are what's going to get them mm-hmm. through. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, but there's teams that we haven't talked about. Teams that either we just don't know what to make of, or they're just not definitively a batting team or a well-rounded team or a good pitching team. And I feel like that starts over in Charleston, right? Like there's guys like Daniel Brito. I like him. I love Danny Wachanski. I I always have. I think he's a solid, solid player. Austin Henrich is another good player. But man, I don't see much much else here. Like I want to Dennis really. Dennis Phipps like can swing it. Oh yeah, Dennis. I forgot he's on this team. Dennis Phipps is a solid player on this team. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Charleston also put out their opening day roster too. So if you want to do a little bit more of a deep dive on this uh, team, while I go ahead and try to find that roster real quick. We can sure. I, I think there's there there's some intri- I, I, there's some intriguing pieces in this lineup. Honestly, in my, in my view, uh, Bobby Bradley's a guy for former Cleveland farmhand who uh, they I who was highly thought of at at one point has, has not really uh, panned out. Dawa Lugo as well uh, in the in the Tigers system mm-hmm. um, was good for a little bit. But hey, I mean, I mean not not to mention Telvin Telvin Nash is on this team. I saw he was listed on the roster I found, or at least under guys that you took uh, that were supposedly could be one of them. I don't know if it is. I'm trying to find this. Uh, this I never they roster. Me- I mean, if if did they make a big deal about it when they signed him? I don't I think they don't did. Remember. I don't think they did. In case anyone was wondering where I got these rosters from, by the way, Ryan helped us out with this. So yeah, uh, blame him if any of these things are wrong. I'm trying yeah, to dodge so, some heat, so. I know, but I mean, there's other, there's other guys I like a lot. Like I, I love Warchansky. I, I think Warchansky getting an opportunity uh, in the Atlantic League is is overdue and oh, definitely. Uh, He's something a... that I like on that end. Uh, but and there's even other arms like like Eddie Butler, who who's been around for been around for a little bit. Still, he's been just kind of okay since uh, since being a consistent starter mm. uh, in getting starting starting innings in the Atlantic League. So I don't know if I love the pitching. I don't mind the lineup, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the the pitching is what concerns me for, for Charleston. And not that I think they're a bad team, but I think in the juggernaut that is the Southern Division of the Atlantic League, I don't know if they match Yeah, up. they're just not good enough to really contend for a long time. I just think they're a very shallow team. Which one other? Okay, found the uh, opening day rosters on the Instagram, not the Twitter. Uh, so it would appear as though the pitchers are Mikey York, Joe Testa, Kit Sheets, Austin Henrich, 
Troy Bacon, Derek Adams, Danny Wachanski, Eddie Butler, Ricardo Gomez, Williams Jerez, Ryan Clark, Jacob Bosikovic, and Colt Webb. Uh, Zachary Bridges and Mitch Gelfi as catchers, Diego Gores, Luis Atiles, uh, uh, Luis Roman, Daniel Brito, DeWall Lugo, Montreal Marshall, Bobby Bradley as infielders, outfielders, Yuffie Perez, Jose Bermudez, uh, Dwight Smith Jr., Terry Fuller, Noah Telvin Nash. So he may have been there at one point and then that and it dipped. Yeah. I don't know. And other fun news from Flow Sportsland. It would appear as though the Gastonia broadcast has no audio. You gotta be shitting me. No, no. If you anyone that wants to go and check out uh, Indie Ball Nation, our friend Ryan's Twitter, he's given updates on this. Uh, apparently, at first pitch, there was no audio. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see who else is. Uh, Let's see. First Atlantic League home run season was missed by Flow Sports Broadcast. Instead, we got to watch the catcher ask for a new ball. <laughs> yep. I, uh, I mean, I, that's what I come here. That's what I pay $30 a month for. I want to see the catcher and get a new ball. Oh, God. This is apparently uh, because Ryan's flaming him on Twitter right now. I know this is fascinating audio to listen to but uh, we haven't really had the chance to dunk on flow we're going to take the opportunity to do so apparently there was ballpark audio but there was no broadcast audio yeah this is interesting yeah oh god (laughs) this is fantastic they can hear the in-game music but they can't actually hear the uh the broadcasters yeah i they I don't know if the Rockers and the Ducks are doing well, but I guess that's not a surprise. Yeah, exactly. And apparently the attendance in Lexington is scarce. We'll go, we'll go scarce for now. But So that's the check-in on the lifetime feed on that. I'm sure everyone will have fun running over to Twitter to go ahead and watch those things here. But yeah, as far as uh, the roster we know of from Charleston there... I'm not really thoroughly impressed by any of it, to be quite honest with you. I think there's some potential here, but... Overall, I just I'm I got a lot of doubt about it. Eddie Butler may be interesting though. I may I mean I could see him having a bounce back year. Yeah, I could. I, I could. Um I, I think he's you know, he has the experience. He's pitched in the big leagues too, so um I, I could I could see that as well. I don't know, I just I don't think there's enough in, to compete uh, in this division in this division and another team that I, I feel that way for uh quite strongly. Do you, do you have you have any idea where I could be going with this one, Nick? I think we just mentioned their attendance struggles. If I had to hazard a guess, the Lexington Counterclocks. Which can I uh, just say real quick here? In the yeah. Frederick article, it literally said the uh, Frederick Ball Club they're going to have their opening day game May second against the Lexington Counterclocks. And reading that in a print sentence really bugged me because I was like, this should not be a professional team name. If you're finding out about this Atlantic League club for the first time that's just getting added, I want you to know that the Frederick fans' first experience of going, huh, independent league baseball, let's see what this is about, is, ooh, we have a home game against the Counterclocks and there's no audio on the one broadcast. I want that to be known right now. That's what the reality is for first-time Frederick fans. And I got to man- yeah. imagine management is not thrilled at that reality. Look, there's, there's, I just don't see a whole lot of talent uh, on this team. 
I think if uh, a full season of Jesus Tavares maybe maybe changes that as well. But and look, Jared Eikhoff is certainly a big name at the at the top of that rotation. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. I mean, a, a guy like Thomas Dillard I think could have a good year. I got on base at a three sixty four clip despite the two thirty three batting average last year uh, in Double A uh, with twelve home runs could potentially turn into something there. Abiato Avellino was a uh, former Yankee prospect. Uh, well, I liked quite a bit, but it's kind of fallen off a little bit. So we'll see if he can rejuvenate things. But I mean, other than that, I just on this Lexington team, to be honest with you, Nick, I I don't see much. I don't see much of any reason to to expect them to compete with the big dogs in in this Southern Division. And I yeah, I don't know. It's just like, Pat Led- they look rough. Yeah, like Pat Ledet, I think is interesting. Like I at first I had said like when Ryan posted this roster a couple of days ago, he posted on Twitter. I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. And I started looking. I was like, okay, actually, you know, once I started doing the stats, I was like, oh, okay, wait, actually, hold on a minute. Uh, Sam Burton's all right. I coffee mentions solid. Ledet, I think could be interesting, but yeah, from just a sheer talent perspective, I'm not really seeing much here. JC Encarnacion is kind of interesting to me, and I do like Connor Owings. I, I think he's a solid player. Uh, granted, his highest level is single A, but I think there's something to be said about him. I think he could maybe make that transition. Um, but yeah, outside of that, there it's just very scarce <laughs> as far as talent yeah. goes here, and I just I'm not loving it. Yeah, I I agree. And to flip into the North Division, we kind of mentioned. I'll just touch on it briefly with Southern Maryland. I think the lineup is going to. Sh- I'm expecting the lineup to struggle a little bit uh, from what they from what they were last year. Is the team that I think is going to have to rely on their pitching, just because I think uh, in their lineup, I think the the men. I know I talked about it a little bit before. I think Mendoza could uh, uh, could or could really help them out mm. um, as as well. So, oh wait, no. On. Mendoza's not on Southern Maryland. I'm mixing <laughs> up with him up with York. I'm an idiot. Okay. I mean, so, point still so remains for York. Start start over. Uh, so so Southern Maryland, I think in their lineup, I just I there's not a lot of pieces that I that uh, that I love. I mean, look, you're signing guys from NAIA ball, like eh, I don't know, like and I, I got like. Of- Kate, yeah, a lot of Pioneer League flyers too here. I'm seeing five I'm games a, here, twenty games there. I'm not a big fan of the Casey Hobson profile. Uh, I just think there's a lot of swing and miss, uh, and I don't know if he hits for the power that is necessary to uh, to offset that kind of thing. I like Braxton Lee. I think Braxton Lee is pretty good. I'd put him at the top of the lineup, but. I'm kind of worried about them lineup wise. And another team that I, I don't really know what to make of. And it's kind of, uh, kind of odd. A little Defending bit champion. They just won the championship. Yeah. I was about I to say, we haven't mentioned them yet. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, I guess what to make of them. I like, uh, I think there's some pieces in the lineup that, that, that I like. I, uh, Kelly Dugan is obviously fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's he's the guy. He is going to be the guy for them. Uh, Trayvon Robinson um, always is, good. is also is always good uh, in that lineup too. I just I wish there was more power in this in this lineup outside of outside of you guys like Dugan Dugan and Robinson and even Mercedes and Robinson yeah. Melvin Mercedes and Robinson aren't really power guys. So uh, 
I just think you, you kind of want to lean in. You kind of want to lean into that uh, with your. Um, yeah, I mean, you like, want to lean into that with your the barnstormers, and I just I don't know. I haven't really seen it with them with this roster on paper. They, I mean, they I got a Pecos League guy know. here. I mean, we got Pecos leakers. We got guys that's only meaningful action was like Winter Ball. We we got a lot going on here. I mean, like Ariel we got a lot going on. Yeah, like Ariel Sandoval could be interesting. He was. It was all right for them last year, as well as with uh, Sussex. You combine the two numbers, they look pretty good, you know. But Chris Proctor could be interesting, too. I think he's an interesting guy. I think there's some potential. Donald Goodson throws the ball really, really, really hard. So that's kind of cool. But you look across the board, the pitching, and it's like, what, we got two, three guys that can pitch? Really? Like, I don't know. Like, I... Niles Ball's interesting. Uh, the Laporte. Sabatino was really not good last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Lockin, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a guy there. I mean, do you think Sittinger has a rebound in him? Um, potentially. I, I think he, they're going to need him. Uh, Rick Clark's so, a guy uh, too. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I think overall, I'm not a huge fan of this pitching staff, and that's what kind of holds me back. Uh, and. I don't know. I think they. I think they could be doing for for some for some regression. Yeah, I mean, especially when you think about it too, because they just got hot in the second half, and so I'm always weary of teams like you won a championship. We can't take that away from you. And in the moment when you're a hot team, it doesn't really matter what your flaws are as a team, right? What matters is that you're winning games, and at the end of the day, that's why you take the field. You play to win the game, as Herm Edwards would say, and yeah. they they won. So who cares what the end result is, right? As long as you walk away with a championship, it masks all the holes here. But coming into a year, you don't want to be in this situation where it's like, okay, well, if they get hot, you know, that's not the way you want to walk into the year here. You want to walk in like Long Island. You want to walk in like High Point. You want to walk in even like Gastonia here where it's like, okay, their pathway to victory is kind of clear. We could see how they're going to win. You walk in like this, it's... It's it's not saying they're not going to win. It's just you don't really have a clear pathway on them, you know. Yeah, I I would definitely I I definitely agree with that with them. Exactly. Yeah, and even like like York's almost in that same grouping here, where it's just like there's some guys here. I like Hall. I like all the guys that we mentioned. Uh, you know, with the batting previously, the pitching's a little you know touch and go here, and I think they're going to rely on some guys with lesser experience to have to really do some heavy lifting too. But I think there's guys here. Tasker Strobel, I love as a pitcher. I think he's a really solid guy, and I think a Tasker Strobel Victor Capion bullpen is a very interesting bullpen to run. You know, I think those are two guys that are very very good at the back end and if you can get to the point where they're going to be getting some meaningful reps then we're going to be having a fun year and i like rick forney as a manager a lot too i think that kind of new injection to york could be good for them uh but again outside of the guys we mentioned by name there's like not terribly much here so they're kind of in that mushy middle grouping where it feels like long island's the king of the north and then there's a bunch of other guys that are going to have a scramble in the second half and i almost wonder if that's kind of the plan for some of these guys is to kind of like wait and see the first half, see how it's going to go. And then the second half where we make our run. Maybe, maybe, I mean, 
on the York side of things, to be honest with you, Nick, I actually kind of like them. Yeah. I, I, I think their pitching staff is better than they've had in a while. Hmm. I and and I think I think two guys that I like in particular, Blake Rogers and Carlos Espinal, guys that were in the higher level, upper level minors last year. You already you, you mentioned Tasker Strobel um as well and Victor Capion uh in the closer role, I think is is an excellent uh, is, is an excellent role too. And I look at also a guy like Melvin Correa, uh, mm. who was, who was outstanding in, uh, in, I believe, uh, I think like high, high, high ball. Yeah. High um, double eight last year. So, uh, it's interesting that he's here. I, I think this pitching staff's underrated and I'm, I'm a big York revolution believer coming into this year. Uh, and like, I would put them, I'd put them ahead of, I'd certainly put them ahead of the barn right now. Hmm. That's my opinion. Certainly interesting, and I guess on that note, I want to take to that kind of like new area that we're going to do here with each team, so that way each team gets mentioned here. I think we mentioned them all already, but to kind of go back to that pathway to winning question, you know, have one kind of, I guess, burning question about each team, about their season. When you look at the team as a whole here, uh, you have a preference on a division you want to take this, or... Oh, well, like, I'll take the north. I'll answer the north, and you'll answer the south. What, what, All right. About that? that works for me, so I'm Let's asking. Goes. Yeah, so if you want to kick it off, whatever team you want to start with and just run through that line. Okay. Um, I, I will, I'll kick it off uh, with, as far as the south, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off with, um, I'll, kick it off, I'll kick it off with Gastonia, okay. actually. Um. Gastonia uh, last year, obviously they. It's been well documented how they how they were offensively and uh, and of course stealing bases uh, and such. Uh, they also had the best team ERA in the uh, in the Atlantic League last year. So, do you think in order to win one of the half championships, Gastonia has to be in the top three in pitchers ERA in combined ERA? It's kind of a weird turn of events. So we went from the Gastonia ERA check as a look how bad they are to a complete 180 and look their first place there. As far as having the ERA as a team, it really comes down to are they going to be able to run as effectively, if not more effectively, because of the way the pitching rules are set up now? And is the offense good enough? I look at their team and I feel like they can get away without having that top tier ERA because I think they are a talented batting team and I feel like at least in the regular season you can outscore your problem I think when we start getting into you have to win three of five you have to win two of three I think that's when the ERA starts to come around but by the time we reach it where that kind of a situation exists this roster could be so different. So I'd say, no, they don't have to have that kind of, you know, uh, top uh, top two or three team ERA to uh, to be successful this year. Okay. I, I think uh, I, I would, I'd probably agree with that too. I think that uh, at least probably don't have to be elite, but they, of course they- You still have to be serviceable. Pitching. Yeah, you, you still have to be pitch. good. Like you can't have what Lexington had last year. Yeah. They have that uh, kind of pitching. They're going to get killed. Yeah, uh, flipping over to their rival though uh, with, with high point. point. I, I I take that 
at least when you talked about them, you're not loving their pitching staff. So what do you see? What do you need to see from their pitching staff uh, in order? What what does their pitching staff need to do in order uh, to really put high point uh, in the mix for a title contention? I'd say just be consistent. Honestly, that's the thing I look at. Like I see there's a lot of potential like Atkins, uh, Mickey Janis, Ryan Dahl. I like a lot. You know, there's guys there that I do like, but you know, Craig Stem's another guy. But overall, it's just I don't know how much a that staff's going to be kept together this year. I think you could definitely see guys like Lee Brandt get picked up. I think you could see some guys like that go. I just need to see that okay, they're going to be you know a, a good team throughout. That they're not just going to have one or two guys carrying the load. You look at their pitching stats last year; they were pretty middle of the road. You know, fourth, third, or fifth in pretty much all categories except for strikeouts. They didn't really strike anybody out ninth in that, but. If they can go ahead and do what they did last year, be as good as last year, then I like them a lot. I think then that's a really solid team. So I just need consistency out of them more than anything else. That and also I want to see what the starting pitching looks like too. I think the bullpen element of like a Hensley there and some other guys could very well be, you know, all you need. But I need to just see that either one element of your pitching is elite or that you're just consistent throughout. Okay, fair enough. I think now for the the new team, Ooh, uh, the Frederick to be determines. Uh, do you think they are the? Do you think that they are the team to beat in the South Division? That's a tough question because, like, I could very well see them being that. At the same point in time, though, I have my hesitancy about first year teams, and I think on paper they're probably the most solid, not the best, but the most solid team here. That being said, I still like Estonia slightly more. I like High Point more. I don't think they're the team to beat, but I think that fight for the top of the division is going to be very interesting, and I think Frederick's involved in that for a long time. I'm just going to be very interested to see, A, how that ballpark, how that ballpark plays, and B, how good are they at replacing guys that get picked up, because I think they're going to have a lot of guys picked up. Interesting. Okay, and that and that's of course is always the is always the the eternal uh, struggle. Yes. Um, so for the Charleston uh, for the Charleston Dirty Birds, a team that we're both not uh, not super high on. However, the idea. However, Dennis Phipps being in being back into the Atlantic League intrigues me. So I guess is there a, a specific part of, of that roster you think that needs to really outperform expectations in order for them to be in the mix for a playoff spot? I mean, honestly, I just don't think it's a great roster altogether. Uh, so I think that one side or the other has to take charge here. I think the, the batting probably has a better chance of outperforming it. So I'm going to say that because I like Brito. I like Logo. I like Phipps. I like these guys, although I don't remember. Was he listed on that final roster when we ran through it? Because I don't remember saying his name. Which one? Phipps on the Charleston roster. He's on here. He is? Okay, yeah. because I, I don't remember. Are you looking at the one they post online today? I'm. Oh, no. I, I was looking at just the stat page. Okay. But yeah, I think honestly, offensively with like Lugo and Brito, they have a better chance at outperforming batting-wise maybe a guy like Bobby Bradley who played high level and didn't do great last year. Maybe he could really do well on this level. I think there's potential there. 
as as a whole that they could kind of outscore their problem. I still don't expect it just because pitching wise, I think there's like three or four guys and that's about it. So yeah, I, I would say the batting. Okay. And finally, uh, with the Lexington counterclocks, do they try to find a way to phrase this, uh, for, for Lexington, um, playing in front of 2000 any, people is a success for them this year. Yes. Yeah. Is, is there any path to them, uh, being a potential playoff team? I guess. Oh, cool. I get to give my hot take answer that will come back to bite me in the ass in September. No, there isn't. I, I honestly don't see that is. And it's it's pretty straightforward there. It's not even that I have anything against the team personally. It's just I look at that roster and I just I don't see the pathway forward for them. Right. Like I see High Point. I see Gastonia. I see Frederick. I can even in a way I don't think it'll happen, but I could see a way where, OK, Testa and Wachanski lead a great one-two punch at the top of a rotation that essentially guarantees you two wins every time through the rotation. And the other three guys, they combine to get one per rota- one win through per. And the offense really does well. Like, I can come up with an ideal situation where they, they get a playoff spot, they get into a wild card fight. I can't see that with Lexington. I just think... There's so much going on there and so little talent on that roster that I just can't see it. Not to say that there's no talent there. I think there's certainly some good players there. Eikhoff certainly on that list. I'm really big on DeConnor Owings. You know, I think he can do really well. You know, I think there's some guys. I think you mentioned Tavares earlier. You know, I think there's guys here. Sam Burton's another guy I do like. I think he he could really perform well. He hasn't. He didn't do great last year, but I think he can be a good pitcher still, you know. But overall, I just, there's just such a a wasteland on this team that I just can't see any way they make the postseason. Well, there you have it. Yeah. South South Division. So I guess flipping over to the North, I'll turn it it over to you. All right. So flipping it over here, you know, I'm going to open it up in Staten Island because I find this to be one of the most interesting teams here. And, it's a team that personally I think could go either way here. They have some real good talent here, and they've also showed us a little glimpse of what they can be last year. So what do they have to do in 23 to prove that that second half in 22 was more closer to what they actually are? So, you know, are they going to have to be a better batting team? Are they going to have to be a better pitching team? What do they have to do in 23 to prove that Last year's second half wasn't a fluke. Well, I think it, it all revolves around them offensively, and they have to get way, way, way better hmm. uh, offensively. And I don't know if I see a big path to that on this roster offensively. I don't mind Adrian Sanchez, a former big leaguer with, with the Nationals. Uh, I think the addition of Davidson Romero is by far mm-hmm. the most interesting add on this team. I think, of course, with Kraus in the mix for that uh, as well after his interesting stint last year. Oh, yeah. uh, so I, I think Romero and, and Kraus are your two big guns uh, in the lineup. Uh, Ricardo Cespedes was, was solid last year, too. So uh, with him in the fold, I think, uh, I think that makes it interesting. But I think... Uh, in order for them to show that their second half uh, 
signs of life were not a fluke. I think offensively, I think in particular, I think where they got to get better is offensively. Mm-hmm. They, they really need to improve there. You think Zach Rakuzin helps with that? Yeah, but I, I think he helps, but, uh, but I don't know. I, and Aguilar like wasn't bad good. either. I don't know if, I think he's a good guy to have in the lineup, like more towards the bottom. Yeah, like, like a lineup, seven, eight hitter. When he's your third or fourth best hitter on the roster, I don't know if that's great for an Atlantic League roster. Fair point. I mean, Aguilar is not bad either, too. But, you know, he's, I, admittedly, he's also not a big, big time guy. So, uh, on that note, I'm going to switch it over to do you see anyone on the offensive side for Southern Maryland really kind of having a breakout year? A guy that we didn't really talk too much about because we mentioned as far as the batting goes for this team, there's a lot of guys that had, you know, a dozen games in the Pioneer League or they're coming right from college and I. NAIA ball or the United Shore Professional League, guys like that. You know, I think there may even be a Pecos League around here somewhere. I know a couple of rosters have them, but is there any guy from an offensive perspective you see kind of jumping out at you to have a pretty good um, year? I think uh, as far as uh, there's, there's not a lot. Um, I think the one guy that I'd be really intrigued to watch on the offensive side of the ball on this uh, Southern Maryland side is Jack Sundberg. Mm. Uh, because last year, uh, of course, in the Atlantic League, 45 stolen bases. Now with the new uh, only one disengagement rule, you'd have to think that when he gets on, he's going to try and run. He's going to try and steal second. He's going to try and steal third. Uh, so I think he is going to be the most exciting player uh, in this in this uh, in this blue crab lineup, mm-hmm. uh, and so as far as, like I don't know if I see a whole lot of breakout candidates on this team, but I think a guy like Sunberg, um, you know, if he gets on base at a at a three seventy four clip again, can make a really big impact for them, even though he doesn't hit for a ton of power. Okay, I definitely can see that. I was thinking maybe like a Ryan Hogg could also be that. Yeah, but so I think he, I think he'd be the next best example. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, definitely interesting there. I'm going to shift it more to Pennsylvania now uh, and go to York here and going kind of in a similar realm here where they have a lot of guys that maybe are recognizable here, but obviously as a whole, the York team hasn't been great historically. Do you think Rick Forney coming in, bringing some of his guys, bringing maybe a new mentality is what it's going to take here to get York to improve? Basically, the question is, what's the Rick Forney impact going to be on the York Revolution this year? I, Nick, I, I'm so glad you asked the question because oh. I think it's going to be significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be a big time change uh, in how this roster is built. I think there's more athleticism on this team. I think there's more contact. I think the pitching is better. I love this York, this York Revolution team. And uh, and there's some returners that, that have come back that are good that have the power, like Nelly Rodriguez. I mentioned uh, that I think Drew Mendoza is an interesting piece too, and I think the pitching is really improved across the board. So I I honestly think, and of course uh, Tomo Odasaka, I mm-hmm. cannot wait to watch uh, in this in this York lineup as well. So I, I think the Rick Forney impact is going to be a lot. I think it's going to I think it's going to be a ton, and I I really really like York this year so I, I'm enough to get him over the top 
at least I shouldn't say to get them over the top in the sense of getting to the final, but enough to make it a competitive first round playoff series. Are they a playoff team because of him? I have them in my championship series. Oh yeah, I do. Oh, and let's see. That's going to be real fun when we get to that in just a second. But I got two more to, to go through here. And it's a shame you're not going to be able to watch this team without uh, Flow Sports. So, <laughs> and even then, you may not have audio. So, that, that's yeah. the price of doing business in the Atlantic League $150 and no audio. That costs extra. Uh, going to the other team in Pennsylvania and Lancaster, they're coming off of a. Uh, a very good year, a championship year. They're first in, you know, nearly a decade. And, you know, they only really happened because of that hot second half here. We've already said that this is a team that really is a coin flip kind of team. You could see them going one way or the other. Is there any one player that is the key to that team being a playoff team again or being a team that's going to be finishing at the bottom of their division? I lean more towards the bottom, yeah. um, and I think they I think they can prove me wrong. Uh, they 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 have the ability to prove me wrong, possibly. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just don't really I don't love this roster. I mean, I think do obviously Dugan is incredible. I, I think the run of twenty six home runs in sixty two games. I don't know if that can yeah. be topped for quite a while. So yeah. I, I think that uh, I, I think there there are pieces here. Uh, in the lineup, uh, Travis Lakins in the pitching staff is a guy that I'm also interested uh, to to watch. I know the numbers were ugly, but uh, I, I think that uh, he, he's a he's a, uh, a guy that's that intrigues me too. So I lean. To, I just don't know if I like the pitching, so I, I lean more towards bottom of the division. Mm. I mean, like a Joseph Carpenter too, limited sample size, but he did yeah. decent in his debut there. And I mean, like, is there any player that? really could change that, could take them from a bottom team to a top team if they were to, you know, shoot out. Obviously, Dugan was on an MVP-level pace. Maybe he doesn't catch Hawkins. Maybe he does if he stays healthy. But, you know, is mm-hmm. there any player that could really kind of change that? Um, I think I, I think guys like uh, like Trayvon Robinson could be – could really play play a role in that. I think Carpenter um, – as well, but I think my my concerns for them rely a lot more on the pitching side of things, and mm. I think they're gonna need they're gonna need a bounce back from season from a guy like Dom DeSabatino uh, and guys like that. So that's more what I'm looking for from them. Definitely. And so then the last one is obviously the the star studded Long Island Ducks team. Uh, they seemingly are impregnable at every turn. They got a good pitching staff. They have a good. Uh, defensive team they have a good offensive team obviously they are on paper the favorite to go the distance here but is there a weak spot on this team and if it there is where is it i think it's a lack of power yeah um and it's something that i was that i didn't love about their team last year i i think there's there's some good pieces I don't know if there's a lot of power and I think they're reliant on stringing three, four hits together, which is not a bad thing because that's, that's certainly, you know, how some teams win uh, and stuff like that. But I, I think that the lack of power, I think in the lineup is the one thing that sticks out to me. It's a potential issue. I don't know if it will be an issue, but I, that's, that's the thing that would concern me about, about the Ducks roster. Okay, certainly. So, I mean, that that answers all the burning questions there. So, I could definitely see power being a, a problem 
for this team too. So be interesting to see how that goes. And so it wouldn't be a preview show if we didn't get to prediction. So I suppose we should just get to that. Uh, the two playoff teams and then the uh, championship matchup and winner, if you would. So uh, two playoff teams coming out of the North. Kind of spoiled it already. I got York, Long Island, and New York coming out of the North Division, both making the postseason. Although I think Long Island could be the better team on paper, I think it's York's year. Okay. And not the better team on paper doesn't always win in the playoffs. So uh, I, I have York going to the, the championship series from the North. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I could, I'm fully aware that that could potentially blow up in ep- like epically in my face, but mm. we're going to try it anyway. Uh, and in the South, uh, and in the South, to be honest, uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of parody, a lot of teams uh, that I could go with. I'm gonna go with uh, with Gastonia and Frederick as the Ooh. two teams that, that that would make it. I think High Point's a good team and a good squad, but I I would leave them just out uh, between those two teams. And in a playoff series, it could really go either way between Gastonia and Frederick. I'll go with Frederick because at least with the team now that I like, I really like their pitching. Okay. Um, and so that's where I would and fully aware that the rosters could could change, but just judging by. Uh, what's on paper? I have uh, Frederick and York in the finals, uh, and is it the year that uh, that the York Revolution get over the hump? Yeah. Now I'm gonna go Frederick. Going Frederick. Uh, I, I think I'm 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 gonna say a second time in the last three years that a a team in their first year in the Atlantic League wins the championship. Yeah, I'm gonna take Frederick and Mark Minikowski. You know, it's interesting. You have a champion that I don't even think is making the postseason. That's that's what's fun about this. We haven't had that in a while for our, our preview shows. I know. Normally, we're locked up because, in fairness, like if you look at the American Association, it's like, okay, we have a clear-cut four best teams here. And, like, typically speaking, on paper, it's pretty clear-cut here. But, yeah, it's interesting how this goes. Honestly, where I'm kind of at here is I could see Long Island winning both halves. Like, I'm really high in them. Maybe I'm buying into the hype. Maybe I'm buying into the on-paper a little too much. But I just think that they're a better team and that everyone else in the North, the other four teams, are all just kind of the same. The kind of agitator in me kind of wants to take Staten Island because I, I do like their roster construction. I think Homer Bush is going to take this team and, and do a lot with that. I don't think we talked enough about how bringing Kraus back in, having a different manager, how that's going to affect it. But in the end, I think it's literally Long Island coming out of the North. I don't think there's any other team that's better than they are. Even if Long Island loses pieces, even if Long Island takes their foot off the gas in the second half, I just don't see that, you know, being the case there. And so that means we have to have a wild card, of course. And if we're getting a wild card, you know, Frederick does make sense for me to take that spot. But I just don't know why I feel like something's going to happen and we always have that one team that comes out of nowhere right that just takes something up like last year we wouldn't have expected Lancaster to make the postseason but they did and then they won everything so high point Gastonia seems like an easy one two there you want to say Frederick I don't think Lexington's making it Charleston then by default is the other team and I feel like they're they're the kind of roster that I just spent a lot of time saying they're not really that good of a team. They really shouldn't do well. That then just gets really hot and just kind of comes out of nowhere and wins a half for no goddamn reason whatsoever. 
you know, so I'm going to say they're going to make it. I have no real justification for it. I have no real basis for it. On paper, you're absolutely right. Frederick's a better team. They should beat them nine times out of ten. But I just have a feeling about it. Now, I don't think they're going anywhere once they get there. Let's get that straight. You know, I think it's going to be Long Island coming out of a wild card matchup there because I think they are just a better team. But that said, I feel like this is the year High Point gets it done. I don't know why. I like their team. I like their construction here. Yeah, I wasn't sold on their pitching staff, but I really, really, really like their batting. I think in a playoff series, they're better than Gastonia. And I think in a playoff series, when it comes down to getting that timely hit, the hit that matters, I feel like they get it done there. I feel like it's high point over Long Island this year. And I I may not have much of a basis for it, but it just feels like, that's the way that's the way it's going to happen. I feel like we always have one oddity every year in the Atlantic League. And I feel like that's it this year. I love it. There yeah. you have it. So that's our prediction. That's our preview. That's our rundown. Do we have any other final points or any wrap-up thoughts before we wrap up the show for the week? I don't, I don't think so. I think we covered it all. All right. So... We're on to another year of Atlantic League Baseball, even if we can't see it because it's behind the $150 paywall that is Flow Sports. So with that said, let's go to the plugs. Let's get out of here. We're running on nearly two hours, so you know it was a good long preview, and hopefully we touched on everything that there is to touch on here. Uh, if you want to find links to the three news articles we uh, mentioned uh, today. That'll be on the show notes, which will be on IndieBallReport.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, that's at IndieBallPod. you want to follow on Instagram, that's at ALPB underscore news and at uh, IndieBallReport there as well. The show is wherever you find podcasts. That's TuneIn, that's Stitcher, that's Spotify, that's Apple Podcasts, that's Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all the major platforms were on there. So rate, review, subscribe if you can. And with that said, do we have anything else left to add in this two-hour-long uh, preview episode? Akira Schmidt is my hero. That's all I have to say. There's a reason I didn't talk shit last week because I knew how quickly this crap could change, and that's why I'm happy I didn't say. I'm anything. not talking either. I'm just saying Akira Schmidt is awesome. All right. I mean that that's perfectly fair to say. You know, I I'm just saying. Uh, We've been here before, even though I got to be honest, I have very low expectations heading into Saturday. Extremely low. So, uh, it's a lot of pain over here, but we're going to get through it and we're going to leave it at that because I don't have much else to add. And on that note, uh, with nothing else left to add, until next time, uh, don't forget to play ball.